Welcome to Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast, a podcast intended not just for parents or caregivers, but individuals seeking guidance around challenging behaviors or recurring and negative patterns in your life. Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast aims to have you asking, who am I parenting here, my child or myself? This podcast has a vision of you, the adult, stumbling upon a new relationship with the child you once were. Parenting is no easy task, but it doesn't have to be a burden. We are happy you are here. This is Julie and welcome to a bonus episode of Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast. Today I have with me Tracy Montgomery and Tracy is a certified sexological body worker and a somatic sex educator. She loves bodies and the people who live in them. She calls herself an embodiment activist and believes that life is supposed to be fun. Her personal and professional tagline is reclaim pleasure and transform your life. Tracy is the secretary of the Canadian Somatic Sex Educators Association and a member of the Worldwide Association of Certified Sexological Body Workers. She works with individuals and couples, facilitates the Ottawa Snuggle Salon, teaches workshops on a variety of healthy sexuality topics, and is on the faculty of the Institute for the Study of Somatic Sexology. So what is sex education? As a somatic sex educator, Tracy helps bring clients pleasure and aliveness into their life experience and relationship. Sexuality is core to who we are, and it's about who we are and how we are in the world. Tracy believes that connecting to one's erotic energy, it invites a joyful living experience that's not just about getting turned on sexually, but getting turned on to life that we can get turned on in many ways, creatively, sensually, intellectually, and by making a difference in the world. Somatic sex education offers a new way of understanding bodies, sexuality, and erotic capacities. Weaving the scientific understanding of human sexuality together with spiritual practices of erotic energy cultivation, It offers students the opportunity to expand their capacity for feeling and pleasure in the body and invites them to come home to themselves. The World Health Organization states that sexual health is right. Sexual health is a state of physical, mental, and social well-being in relation to sexuality. It requires a positive and respectful approach to sexuality and sexual relationships, as well as the possibilities of having pleasurable and safe sexual experiences free of coercion, discrimination, and violence. And so I thought that this episode, this topic in our conversation would be really beneficial for those of you who are listening, who have maybe struggled with some kind of unpleasant experience related to pleasure or related to your sexuality. And the reality is, I think that there are a lot of people out there who are dealing and struggling with challenges around this. And so Tracy normalizes, I feel like her conversation and her message really helps to normalize 
all that she talks about uh, the capacities of the bodies of the individual sexuality erotic capabilities and she talks a little bit as well about the scientific uh, like I said understanding of human sexuality and kind of brings it back to that beginning stage of I mean she calls it you know she talks about shame she calls it what a lot of uh culture and society or not a lot of but I guess there is a a section that um sort of has this sort of dark idea about pleasure and sexuality and so she she talks a bit about how that culture that idea and it gives some insight and I think some context that maybe you the listener will be listening to and think okay yeah maybe I do carry some of that Um, But then she counters that with the reasons why it's important to really consider your, your own pleasure and your own sexuality, and how that can really help with your stress. And she talks a little bit about the biology behind um, sexual experiences and how that can decrease stress. So without saying too, too much more, just have a listen here. And I hope that you enjoy this episode. And while you're at it, please go over to iTunes, hashtag parenting who podcast and please leave some comments. We've been hearing from some people uh, verbally or via email. And I wanted to start pointing people in the direction of um, if they're comfortable providing some um, some questions or, you know, asking some questions or providing some comments over on iTunes. And I guess it just, they're telling me it boosts the podcast, but, uh, I really just want to hear from you all and see what other topics and things you want to maybe hear about in the future. So enjoy this bonus episode and take good care. Hi there, Tracy. Thanks for joining me on Hashtag Parenting Who podcast this morning. Hi, Julie. It's nice to be here. Yeah. And you and I, we we met each other at some uh, training in, well, I guess 2016. And I definitely wanted to connect with you. And, and I recently saw you for the wrap up of that training and talked to you about this podcast. And uh, you have such a unique well, I say unique because it's so different from my background and from those of others that I have interviewed for this podcast, but you are a, I don't have your intro in front of me, but you are a somatic. (laughs) So I'm a somatic sexuality educator. Um, And what I do is help people feel good in their bodies. Um, You know, when people hear the word sex or sexuality, they think it's about the act of sex, but it's really about being in our bodies and about feeling good and safe in our bodies. Mm -hmm. You know, most people feel wounded sexually. You know, there's trauma or heartbreak, unmet needs or unshared secrets. And there's always something inside us that yearns for that wholeness and that healing. And we can do the work. We can start to do the work. You know, people come to see a counselor, a therapist, a psychologist, because they know something's not quite right. But sexual healing happens in the body. So once you've started to do the work, then you need to get into your body and really feel it and own it and know it viscerally with your whole heart and your whole body. And so that's what I do. I'm here when people are ready to go to that next level of healing. Yeah, and it's really, it's so organic, and it really is something that 
like you were saying, for all those reasons why someone might come see you, there's also shame attached to loving our bodies and loving the way pleasuring feels, isn't there? There really is. You know, there's this funny thing about pleasure. Um, it's, the, it's the thing that nurtures life. If I can geek out on the science bit of this a little bit. Oh, sure. <laughs> you know, humans evolved with a negative bias. And, you know, that stood us in good stead back in the day when if we didn't assume that every rustle behind every tree was something that was about to kill us, we had to be vigilant all the time or we would be dead. But nowadays, we don't need to be quite as vigilant, you know. And the cool thing is, although we were designed with this negative bias, we were also designed to experience pleasure. And pleasure is the antidote to stress. You know, it, pleasure nurtures life. Um, it heals us. When we experience pleasure in our bodies, whether it's from sex or a, some good food or hearing laughter or having our back scratched or petting our cat, there's this whole cacophony of endorphins and hormones that is released in our body. And it actually alters our blood chemistry. It enhances our brain function. It's, you know, it's how we connect with others. And so we need both of those pieces. And somehow in our culture, you know, we're shaming pleasure, we're shaming desire, we're shaming sexuality, which means that we're, we're not working to our full biological potential. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was a wonderful explanation. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew how necessary pleasure was to building our resiliency and meeting the challenges of life. We'd be like, of course, of course we need pleasure. Mm -hmm. And my son said a really interesting thing to me recently. You know, we were talking about sex and sexuality in our culture and he said, well, there's this thing where, you know, there's this idea that sex is shameful or dirty or something we shouldn't think about, but boy, you better be good at it. You know? <laughs> so it's like, what a oh contrast. yeah, how do we sort that all out for ourselves? Yeah. yeah it's so, it's so true. Yeah. And it speaks to the level of complicated that we humans can make things. <laughs> For sure, for sure. You know, and if we think about children, if you think about watching little children before they've gone to school, think about how how they act, how they are in the world. They have such a lovely sense of healthy entitlement. You know, they expect life to be good. They expect their needs to be met. They, they expect life should be happy and they have no shame in asking for what they want. You know, and... And it's a joy to really notice that. And of course, as their parents or as parents watching them, we want our children to be safe. So they might think that their pleasure is going to come from eating cookies instead of dinner. And so we teach them that, yeah, the, the, the cookie is delicious, but so is the broccoli, right? Like mm -hmm. it's a thing that we teach. Mm -hmm. um, but it's all about mindfulness, you know, and like being in the moment, like kids are in the moment. So maybe that's a better way to talk about what I do. I really help people to be embodied, to be present in the moment, mm -hmm. to notice what's going on with themselves. Because when we know what's going on and we can trust our inner instincts, then we are so safe. We are so safe yeah. when we know what we want and we know how to ask for it. 
Well, and, and it's kind of interesting because when you say that we are so safe, but it's also the one thing that um, people kind of distrust. They, they, that safeness, they don't want to trust that it's within them or they don't know that it's within them. Well, and you know, we, we're brought up, there's a lot of that um, in, in society. I mean, as soon as we go to school, we're taught to sit in a desk, for example. And for lots of kids, that's fine. They're, they're ready and they're adapted to sit in a desk. But some kids, their bodies just need to move. And so every cell in their body is saying, get up and run around. You need to move and stretch and bend. And the external voice is saying, sit in your desk. And so we learn, oh, we have to listen to these outside voices instead of what's coming from within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and there's, there's good reasons for it. It's not like we shouldn't ever learn to sit and to pay attention and to respect other people, but we, we sort of are, we are sort of taught to distrust what's going on for ourselves. Yeah. It makes me think of a time when one of my boys, I can't remember which one, um, wanted to wear a Spider-Man costume to Tim Hortons one morning. And I was all for it. I was totally supportive of it. And he went in there and he rocked that Spider-Man costume. And within about, (laughs) I'd say, 10 minutes, he started to feel, like no words, words were spoken, but he started to feel eyes on him. And he started to internalize. You could literally see like his back start to hunch over, his hands start to come in. Like he was really just trying to hide. And he wanted that Spider-Man costume off. And to stand back and watch that unfold right in front of me was devastating because the spirit was taken away from this little guy who just wanted to wear his beloved Spider-Man costume in a public place. And so in a way, I like what we're talking about here because I think it helps listeners to really realize that, you know, that piece that you were saying that sex can have this like negative connotation or this, you know, we turn it into something that is like vulgar or we're not allowed to talk about it or, you know, these deep shame pieces, but it really does have a lot to do with the messages that we're getting externally and have been since we were children. Yeah. Like our sexuality is really about who we are and how we show up in the world. And so if you think about your, your child who's, you know, I don't know, was he five or six, whatever, mm-hmm. and, all, and he's getting this message and he's still really connected to his source or his like this birth energy that he was born with that tells him that he's okay and that he can, you know, this sense of entitlement. And so imagine, you know, like, you know, clients come in my door and they're 40 and they go, I just don't feel safe in the world. I don't know how to have a connection with someone. And, and it's like, well, you can imagine showing up in your Spider-Man costume at Tim Horton, you know, at the age of 40, like it's been so ingrained in us, like, no, 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 you should fit in. You should be, you know, wearing the great clothing. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, when I see people, you know, out, when I see someone, you know, grown ups out, you know, in Tim Horton's in their pajama pants and I go, right on you know <laughs> like there you are with your messy hair and your pajama pants and you're like you want your coffee and you're get dropping your kids off at school and you're just taking care of yourself and you're you know within you that you're okay 
And boy, when we know within ourselves that we're okay, everything is about getting turned on to life, you know, creatively and sensually, intellectually. And when we feel good about, like we can, we can change the world when we feel good about ourselves because we are listening to that inner voice. Yeah. And aligning ourselves and reconnecting with ourselves for who we are and not for expectations or for others or for external acceptance. Yeah, it's really, it's really powerful. It's so powerful and it's so simple and so difficult. And, you know, the place to start is to redefine your, your relationship with pleasure. You know, just starting with little things like, are you going to have a shower in the morning and get clean? Or can you take those five minutes to feel the perfect water temperature and feel this, you know, the texture of, of the face cloth on your body as you're washing, smell the scent of your soap and really indulge your senses, you know, and maybe the sun is shining in the, in through the window and mm-hmm. just indulging in that and like really being in your body in that moment and allowing yourself to feel the pleasure of that. That's mm-hmm. a much better way to start the day than, oh, I got to hurry up and get washed and I got all these things to do and I'm going to be late and whatever. It takes the same five minutes. Right. But the feeling that we have when we go out into the world is so different. And the key there is that it's still the same five minutes. It's not like anyone is asking you to add an additional five minutes. It's not that at all. It's about really being present in the moment in the shower and not thinking about your meeting that you have at 10 o'clock or that you have to run the kids to the appointment at 12 o'clock. And how are you possibly going to do both? We, we go to those places often. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the mindfulness movement is really gaining some recognition and there's so many amazing studies you just have to google it there's a million studies well not a million but many (laughs) that are talking about how being mindful meditating being present in the moment is really does change the brain chemistry It, it totally changes who we are inside and you know when we extrapolate this and go okay now how does that connect to our sexuality, it's really the same thing. If we have shame, if we're carrying around a lot of shame, it's too hard to stay present to what's going on in our body because as soon as we start to feel something in our body, then the shame comes up. You know, shame is kind of pleasure interrupted in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And we never get to fully experience anything. You know, we don't want to feel anything. It's We don't want to feel the bad stuff, but then we can't feel the good stuff. That's awesome. So we touched on it a little bit. Uh, some of the, I guess you could say, misconceptions. You talked about what your son had said. And so I want to talk about what are some reasons that men and women may seek out somatic work with you? So people come to see me for a lot of reasons. Um, often it's because there's some kind of sexual dysfunction um, that's going on for them, you know, and they just, they want to, they want to fix this. And they most often find that the, the issue is, is not really about the sexual dysfunction. The sexual dysfunction is a symptom of this not being in our bodies, not being able to connect to pleasure. Um, so that's really the biggest thing. 
Um, the shame is a big thing. People just want to know they're okay, right? And there's a lot of stuff out in the world that tells us that we're not. If you buy this thing and if you do that and if you're thin enough and rich enough and work hard enough, then you'll be okay. And so they come in and they get to talk about about sex, you know, or these big ones about unmet needs or unshared secrets. They're really big and they're really powerful because they keep us from being who we are and really fully being ourselves. I wonder as well, I say men and women, but there you probably work with a transgendered population as well, do you? I work with everyone mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, doesn't matter um, where they are, wherever you are on your, on your journey to sexual wholeness, I'm here to su- support you. Some people it's more sex coaching, um, but it's all body-based because that's the, that's the thing that's missing. That's what makes what I do different. You know, um, people will often come to me, they've been working with a therapist or a psychologist Maybe they've suffered some trauma um, connected to their sexuality. And so their head gets it. They get it in their head that this new lover that they want to be with is not a perpetrator who, who abused them in the past. So their head gets it, but their body doesn't trust it because their body no longer understands safe touch. Mm-hmm. And so come in and work with me and in this really safe container where we've practiced boundaries where we've practiced saying yes and saying no and what does that really feel like in our body, people can start to feel like what appropriate, loving, mindful touch is. Touch is our first language mm-hmm. and, our body, we, and our bodies have so much to teach us if we can connect to them. But for many people, they don't know what that is. And so they can come and work with me and learn a, that they have boundaries mm-hmm. and that it, it's good to say yes and it's good to say no and really learn what it is that's right for them and practice it in the safe place so when they go out in the world and they want to interact and they want to be with their families, they can take care of themselves because they know who they are. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about the this, uh, modeling or setting boundaries as a parent towards uh, what that looks like in the parenting role. So parenting the inner child, knowing yourself, we're talking a lot about that, but can you speak a little bit about that aspect of modeling boundaries as a parent? We want our kids to be smart and happy and to be able to take care of themselves. And so if we're, if I'm a mother who's like giving, giving, giving everything all the point and I'm exhausted, I'm teaching my children especially maybe my my children who identify as female that that's what women do in the world is they give and give and give and give whereas if i you know if i there's a point where i say no i can't take you to your friend's house unless you ask me to ask me the day before but you can't come and ask me to drop everything that i'm doing now and go off and do this thing for you And so it's like, here's the thing that we'll do. You want to go to your friends? Just let me know. Give me some notice so that I'm, I'm, and I can, I can take you, but you don't expect me to drop everything and run because what I'm doing is important too. So it teaches kids like, here's a really healthy boundary, you know, take care of yourselves. Of course, we want to support other people, but there's a point where we need to take care of ourselves. Yeah, because it really only just sets up the child for the expectation that whenever the urge 
you know, comes to them that they want to go to a friend's house, that they can immediately satisfy that urge if you're just going to be available to them at their every whim, which, you know, can happen very often if we don't set those boundaries. And it really is an unrealistic expectation that we set our kids up with because that's not how the world works. And helping them to forego that instant, I need to go to Johnny's house and I need to plan ahead. You're teaching them planning skills as well. How to think ahead, how to contact Johnny and make those arrangements with with you. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, of course we all want our needs to be met and, you know, we know that when infants, when, when spoil them, that we need to give them, you know, they, they cry. And so we go and figure out what they need. Do they need food? Do they need a hug? Do they need to be changed? Are they cold? Are they too warm? And when we do that and we offer infants this loving, mindful touch, we're teaching them that life is good, that their needs can be met and if we, if we respond to infants so regularly and making sure they have everything that they need, like there's a time between four and six months where they start to wake up in their cribs and they just lay there and they play and they coo and they're happy because they know when their tummy says, oh, I'm hungry, and they call mom, mommy or daddy is coming to feed them because they've learned to trust that the world is a good place. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, and that's how we learn this. And then we go along and it's like, yes, you can wait and you'll be okay. And we want our kids to be self-sufficient. It's like, yep, you can't drive to your friends, get that. But you are old enough to make some plans. You are old to see that I'm in the middle of something and you can wait for a little bit. It's just really, it's really great to, to teach that. And I also want to touch on that, the idea of modeling for our kids, taking care of ourselves, you know? Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's not all cupcakes and bubble baths, you know. Sometimes self-care is, you know, making that appointment and getting to the doctor for your regular checkup. It's getting the laundry done. It's, it's doing the, the grocery shopping. It's, it's making arrangements or planning for lunches or all of the things that we do to take care of ourselves and to take care of our world and we want to really model that for our kids, that they can take care of themselves. And this is what taking care of themselves is. It's all of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paying the bills, <laughs> mundane tasks, but really things, yeah. That need to be done. Yeah, things that need to be done. Yeah, it's good self-care to pay the bills. And it's good self-care to arrange time so that you can sit down at your desk and pay the bills and no, don't interrupt me at this time. But it's also really great self-care to say, okay, and Tuesday evenings, I have my bubble bath, I have my book, maybe I have my glass of wine and I'm in the bathtub for an hour. Don't bother me. This is also my self-care time. And it's really great to teach kids that. I think one of the best things that I did is learn to send myself to my room. (laughs) I do agree. It's the self-care aspect and understanding what that is and, and taking that and being very intentional about it. One of the things that a lot of people that I work with is they understand that notion, but then there's the whole, the, the selfish, I'm, you know, whether they're being told that because they're taking time or whether they feel guilty for taking time and they feel like they're selfish because that's that sort of early message that they learned, that's a big hurdle and obstacle for people to get over to practice some of those things, isn't it? It really is. Like desire is a dirty word in our society. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, it's, it's got such a bad rap and yet desire 
is what creates worlds. I mean, the reason that we have wheels today is somebody had a really big desire to get something really heavy up a hill. And so they invented the wheel, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it was desire. That's not nothing wrong with that. That's great. That's how the world works. And we've really been taught, we really have a lot of shame about desire and about being selfish. And I like to think about selfish as self-ish. So um, about ourselves, um, because it's so, it's so important. I mean, it's a great lesson to teach our children is like, is to, is to take care of themselves that A, they're worth taking care of, and that B, they can take care of themselves. Right. It's huge. It is when, big. When we've been taught not to trust our desire, then we don't trust our own instincts. You know, and again, now we're not connected to this gut feeling, to this own inner wisdom. We don't know how to trust it. We don't know what yes really feels like in our body because we're so used to saying yes and numbing out the feeling inside that says, oh no, I have too many tasks. I can't take on anything else, but I'm supposed to help people. And we're not connected to that mm-hmm. anymore. And um, it's, it's, it's just a shame, you know, go back to that sense of health entitlement that kids have before we've sort of trained it out of them. Like they expect life to feel good. And I mean, three olds love to fold and match socks. I think it's a great, you know, that life that they find the fun in everything and, and there's nothing wrong with desiring. And if we can bring that playfulness and curiosity back into our lives, we would just be more creative, more passionate and more fulfilled. Yeah, it's, it's been a really great discussion here with you today, mm-hmm. Tracy. And I wonder, Tracy, if you if there was something that you felt was, other than all the wonderful things that you've shared, what would be something that maybe someone who is listening, if there is a hesitation to make that phone call? Because as you and I have talked before, we know that and we acknowledge that making that phone call, taking that first step to inquire about services to see whether it's a psychotherapist or a somatic sexuality educator. Uh, what would you like people to know about, about that process? Well, first of all, I'd like them to know that I've heard everything mm-hmm. and I would love to hear something new. So if you think that you've got a really crazy story, come and tell me. Um, but the first step, um, people often email me and say, hey, I think I'm kind of curious about this. I've seen your website and I have this issue. And then I set up a phone call with them, which is free. And they get to just like hear about how it is, how I work, what the first appointment might look like and ask all their questions. And they get to decide, does this feel like a person I'd like to work with? Um, lots of times I get calls and people just like, oh, it's actually okay to think about sex or have have questions about sex. And that's really all they need. They just need to know it's all right. Mm -hmm. Um, Working with me is really safe because you never have to do anything you don't want to do. Any question that I might ask or any exercise that I offer you to try, any experience, you can say, yeah, I want to do that or no, I don't. And if you say no, I'm going to say, yes, thank you for taking care of yourself. And what if we try this other thing? You know, what it is that they really want. 
Yeah, you talk about that on your website, how all of the services that you provide, everything is client-led. And I think that's what you were saying is there's, you're developing this relationship with someone who is, you're hoping to create that foundation of trust where if they don't want to do that bit of homework that you're prescribing to them, that they just say no, and then you celebrate that. You celebrate the fact that, they are speaking for themselves, that they know what they want. And that's part of the client-led piece, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. You know, which is, is the difference between feeling uncomfortable and feeling unsafe. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Where are learning edges? And, you know, you, you make that first phone call to me, and it feels pretty edgy because I'm going to talk to someone. I'm going to say, I have an issue about sex or sexuality. And it's core because... Again, that's who we are. That's so core to who we are and how we are in the world. So like, yeah, celebrate that. So that feels uncomfortable, but it's fairly safe. You're on the phone. You can block your phone number. You don't, I'll have no idea who you are when you email me or make the phone call. So you're not, so it's safe. Mm-hmm. And when you come in to see me, it's the same thing. We're going to practice before we do anything. We're going to figure out like, what does yes feel like in your body? And what does it feel like when you really don't want to do something? And where do you feel safe in your body and what, where don't you? Because I want everything that happens in our sessions to feel good. I want you to, to be growing and expanding, but we won't get there if you don't feel safe. So right. it's all about knowing what's going on inside of you. Mm-hmm. I like what you said there about the knowing uncomfortable versus unsafe or at least that there is a difference there because I think sometimes people equate uncomfortable as unsafe. And you're saying that that's kind of step one. You guys are trying to kind of learn that dance for that individual person in their unique circumstances and help tease the two apart so that you can create that safe environment to be able to, to move forward in the areas that they're, they're curious about, the areas that they're motivated to look into, to change, to work on. And that's how the sessions unfold, the work unfolds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oftentimes we're not even sure they just think, oh, something's not quite right. Something's missing and I don't know what it is. I don't feel quite connected to my body or I, I'm supposed to feel good. And in fact, that's one of the, the, the things about our culture, isn't it, is that we're bombarded with these messages that we should feel good all the time, that we should be happy. And if we don't, there's something wrong with us and we should not be uncomfortable. And yet that is our learning zone. And so, Yeah. That's actually a nice place to be, sort of on that learning edge where it's like, oh, I'm just expanding a little bit, but I still have the safety. I have my personal safety. And that's a, that's a great starting place for all of us. Like, oh, okay, because you've all been uncomfortable. You know, you got caught in the rain mm-hmm. or you did something wrong at school or at work and we have this little bit of a feeling of discomfort. Um, or we much pudding, or we know what uncomfortable is, but it's not unsafe, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And but uns- unsafe is ooh ooh like I'm activated and something isn't right and I'm on alert and my stomach hurts and mm-hmm. and I I can feel that my body I want to feel the urge to run away. That's mm-hmm. the time to go. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. are you unsafe? Like look around. Like am I in a dark alley? Um, am I you know am I in a 
in a public place, where am I? There's a, there's a real big difference in that. Mm-hmm. Or like you were talking at the beginning, whenever a bush moves, we have to, I think you said something about an animal behind the bush or something, activating those fight, flight, or freeze instincts. Yeah, yeah. And we want to be connected to those because that's how we survive. But then we also want to be able to shake that off. Yeah. You know, we want to we want to be okay. I'm alert and I'm looking at. Oh, it's just the neighbor's cat. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Like everything's good. Mm-hmm. Life is good. I'm safe. Mm-hmm. You know. But yeah. so we really want to we want to be connected to those bodily impulses. We want to know what's going on inside of us because if we know what's going on and we're connected to that, then life is going to be so beautiful. Mm-hmm. When we can trust ourselves to know when something isn't right. We can take more of a risk. We can talk to more people. We can smile at them and look at them in the eye because if they don't smile back at us, we know we're still okay. Yeah, and that reconnecting with self is such a big piece of all of that. This has been really, really wonderful, Tracy. And I wonder just as we get ready to wrap up here, if you could share um, your website where people can find you and get more information about how to book a session with you or even just being curious about what the work is that you do. I, I see on your website you have some good descriptions there. Can you share with the listeners how to get a hold of you? Yeah, I would love for people who are curious to take a look at my website. Uh, It's just www.tracymontgomery.ca. So T-R-A-C-Y-M-O-N-T-G-O-M-E-R-Y.ca. Have a read through my website, um, get curious, and then shoot me an email if you have questions or give me a call, 613-413-1216. We can have a lovely private conversation or an email exchange. We can book that free 30-minute phone consultation. You can ask your questions, learn how it is to work with me, and decide what's right for you. Mm -hmm. You know, and every session is planned around what the client wants, what the exploration is, what they're learning, um, and we just go from there. And so Tracy, I will add that some of the listeners aren't from where we're recording this. You and I hail from the Ottawa, Ontario area. Can people chat with you who aren't from Ontario? Do you have that service or do people have to be in this province to speak with you and work with you? Um, I do do some consultations over over you know, over the internet or by phone. Um, I can also help you to find a practitioner in okay. your in your area. Um, I belong to a couple of professional associations and the links are on my website. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes people want to be, you know, have that experience with touch. And so I can help them find someone in their neighborhood or help them figure out who it is that they're looking for. Awesome. That's great, Tracy. Thank you so much for meeting with me today and for sharing all your knowledge and information about this really, really important topic. And uh, I say this every time I interview someone, but I definitely think that you and I need to reconnect again and get into more in-depth about uh, various aspects of what you do and how it can be beneficial for for individuals as well as parents who are parenting kids and being their best self for that mo- that role modeling. So thank you very much, Tracy. Thanks for having me, Julie. It was great and I would love to talk to you anytime. Okay. Take good care. Thanks, Julie. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Thank you for joining me today. Please remember that information provided in this podcast is not therapy and is not a substitute for receiving help from a licensed or regulated healthcare professional. For more information on this episode and links discussed here today, please see the show notes. Please also visit my website, which includes more resources and social media links, as well as ways of getting in touch with me at julieclarktherapy.com. 